Welcome back to Godfidence Podcast, where your faith in God combined with your confidence and belief in yourself will develop a word that I like to call Godfidence. Because if I only had confidence in myself, if my wife got cancer, I wouldn't know how to deal with it. If my granddaughter got kidnapped, I wouldn't know how to deal with it, right? So in myself, there's only so far I can get. But when I have complete trust and faith in God, and at the same time, I have 100% confidence and belief in myself, can you see now why there's a lot of Christian people who are Christians and they're born again, but they don't have confidence in themselves. Somehow the enemy has stole that confidence from them because I used to be one of them. So always remember this Godfidence podcast is for born again people. Now being born again doesn't mean you're better than other people. Born again people sin just as much as any other people do. The difference is that they know that they're going to heaven. Why? Because the scripture tells us exactly what to do. Because my first 30 years of my life, I went to a church where it was religion. I'm not involved in religion anymore. I'm involved in a relationship. That's why I change. So if you want to learn more about that, if you're not born again, you probably should stop here, go to YouTube, and Google or search for Greg Cap. Godfidence and look at my first YouTube video on Godfidence and it'll tell you my testimony and then you'll see how I went from religion to relationship and then I got rid of the fear and the worry and the doubt and the low self-esteem and the insecurity and I started to develop faith in God and confidence in myself. So Today's just going to be a bunch of golden nuggets, right? Every one of us was born perfect. Did you know that? And then we were unmade by dysfunctional human beings because every family I've ever met is dysfunctional. Where does this dysfunction come from? I know where it came from in my family because my father, his dad was an alcoholic and he divorced his mother when my dad was very young. So my father inherited rejection, a spirit of rejection because he had no father. And, and he also, my grandmother, his mother, had a very critical spirit and so he inherited that from her. So do you see the dysfunctions in our family are not taught, they're caught. And then my mother, she had a she was a very insecure person because my father was a domineering husband. So it made her very insecure and she kind of passed that on to me. And then she really was well-developed in the spirit of worry and she passed that on to me. And you know what? That's why I did poorly in school. That's why I did poorly in sports. And that's why I became a postal worker for 15 years. I don't blame my family for that because everybody has a dysfunction. But when you start to find out that you can become born again... You see, then what happens is you start to get rid of the dysfunctions and put them back with those things what God originally prepared for us, right? So personal growth is actually just self-discovery. 
See, the Bible says in Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you. I'm talking to each one of you now. This is God saying, I knew you. Take it personal. Some of you won't, but some of you will. When you take the Bible personal, things change from the inside out. And he said, I knew you before in your mother's womb. And you and I sat down and you approved of a testimony scroll way before you were ever conceived by your mother. I knew the precise moment you were going to be conceived. This is what God's saying to you. And so before we're born again, we learn from the outside in, right? From our mind. That's why our educational system teaches from the outside in. But see, when we're a born-again spirit, we learn from the inside out. We find out who we actually are, right? We discover who we are. And of course, if it wasn't for someone called the devil, who's the master of identity theft, he doesn't want you to know all the power that was given to you by the cross. He doesn't want you to know all the authority that's been given to you by the cross, And he doesn't want you to know the dominion that you could have on this earth because the same thing Adam and Eve had before the fall, Jesus won back for us at the cross. So you got to remember, the devil is wise as a serpent, right? And he's very good. He stole my identity. When I was 40 years old, I had no idea who I was, but I struggled in the business. And I so badly wanted to succeed that I started getting in my scriptures, So, why is it that every time we set a goal, adversity seems to follow? Why is it that every time we say a prayer, we seem to get discouraged? Because the devil doesn't ever want any of us born-again Christians to figure out how to have every goal, every dream, and every prayer answered. Because, see, every time we decide, what does the word decide mean? To cut off all choices. Every time we make a decision to go after a goal to go after a dream, to get our prayer answered. See, all these things are the fruit from the tree of life. What did God tell Adam and Eve? Go to the tree of life, but don't go to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because the tree of life simply was the perfect end result. A goal, a dream, or a prayer being answered. And so the devil, who doesn't want us to understand how to do this because we would defeat him all day, every day, he immediately uses other people to distract us, to disrupt us, to demoralize us, to betray us. See, he immediately knows that when you set a goal or set a dream or say a prayer, he doesn't want you to know that it's actually pretty easy to have those things come true. And so he wants our focus off the tree of life and the end result, and he wants to get us on the tree of knowledge of good or evil, right? He can cause people to call you, to discourage you, right? He can cause someone next to you, near you, to get sick, right, when you have a big goal. You see, they work in networks. These demons work in networks. And so at some point, either we'll be unknowing about the invisible realm or we're going to know all about the invisible realm. And I said a prayer a long time ago. When I figured all this stuff out, folks, I said, Lord, I want to see into the invisible realm because I want to do the impossible. And if you looked at my lifestyle, anyone that knows my lifestyle, where I came from, when you can see into the invisible, you can do the impossible. See, you got to remember that every thought creates a brand new memory. 
If it's a thought of worry, it creates a worry memory. If it's a thought about your dreams coming true, it, it creates that. If it's a prayer for health or healing or a prayer for prosperity, right? Because where does our thought come from? Either God or other people speaking God's word to us or by reading the scripture or it's coming right from the devil or it's coming from other people who are being influenced by the devil, or it could be coming from ourselves. And most of the time, our thoughts are just from habitual thinking. Because by the time we're 21 years old, we have 60,000 thoughts a day, and this is sad to hear, but 95% of the thoughts you think about are the same ones over and over and over again. So the Bible commands us to judge every thought. And so we got two choices. We can destroy that negative thought by ignoring it, or we can activate that positive thought by speaking it out. Do you see? Because the Lord said words are living things, and they'll either bless us or they'll curse us. So if you say, I'm worried about my grandson getting on drugs, you just opened the door for the connection for the devil to go work with your grandson. But when you say, devil, take your hands off my grandson, you know the spirit in me is greater than the spirit in you. And you take your filthy hands off my grandson. And now, Father, I thank you for bringing good moral friends to my grandson in Jesus' name. See the difference? Words are living things. When we speak out negative words, we just open the door for the enemy to connect with whatever we're worrying about. And when we say things in faith and go to the tree of life, then we open the door for God and the Holy Spirit and all of his angels to come up. So you got two choices with every thought. You can destroy the negative one by ignoring it. Or you can activate the negative one by speaking it out. And you can destroy a powerful thought like all things are possible through Christ that strengthens me. You can destroy it by ignoring that thought or you can activate it by speaking it out. See, 90% of people suffer from being addicted to negative emotions. Like what? Like insecurity, like inferiority. How? Because every family has dysfunctions. You used to think it was just poor, poor, pitiful you. That's what I used to think. And then I got in this business and I found out that I have yet after 32 years of being in business and meeting thousands and thousands and thousands of people, I've never met a functional family yet, right? Have you ever met a functional family? By the time we're five, we've already adopted our parents' dysfunction. That's why people who are wounded continue to hurt their loved ones until a person learns to heal their woundedness whether they're turning to drugs or alcohol or sex, they're going to continue to hurt the people they love. But what we got to learn to do is not get hurt by them. So many people are addicted to the approval of others because a lot of us tried to get the approval of our mother and our father when we were little kids. And then that causes a, a, you know this problem of caller reluctance where people actually will do anything but go make phone calls in their business. So either we can risk rejection every day or we can seek other people's approval. Remember why I call this thing golden nuggets? There's nuggets throughout this whole talk. You should listen to this talk once a month and take some notes on it. See, I've learned never to trust my own thoughts. Why? Because my mind is separate from me.
Jesus said, I only accept the thoughts my heavenly father speaks to me. Can you believe what Jesus said? Jesus was the son of God, but he said, I only think the thoughts that heavenly father speaks to me. And I only do the things that heavenly father tells me what to do. Do you see now why I deal with challenges and quickly disconnect from them? Or those invisible things will be hanging around me all day long and I won't be able to focus 100%. And I'll tell you this, once I pray, I never dig up my seed. I disconnect from the outcome of my prayer. Because I know my prayer is going to get answered. How do I know? Because there's 6,000 promises in your Bible. And whatever it is that you want, you look at it. If you want peace of mind, there's a scripture that talks about that. If you want prosperity, there's a scripture for that. If you need healing in your body or for someone that you love, there's a scripture for that. You see, that Bible is filled with promises. But guess what? It's a secret quoted book. So it's not just going to be written like a regular book. You got to read it with your heart and meditate on one scripture over and over and over again. So do you see, if I planted a tomato seed... I would never dig up my seed because I already know that the seed must turn into a tomato. And when I say a prayer, I plant that seed in very fertile soil. You see, the whole parable about the seed and the sower is not about the seed and it's not about the sower. That's you and I. We're the sower. Each one of us born-again Christians are. The seed is simply this words we say when we pray. But it's the soil that makes the difference between some people getting their prayers answered and other people not getting their prayers answered. And I've spoke about this many times in the past, but Jesus spoke about it many times, so I'm going to do the same thing. If you got asphalt in there because you hardly ever pray and you don't really believe in the word, then you're going to plant your seed on that asphalt and it'll be gone within moments. And if it's rocky soil, it, your, your, your answer will start coming from heaven, but it will be stopped because of your own digging up your seed. If it's in thorny soil, it'll get choked off. But if you have been speaking scriptures into your spirit every day like I have for over 25 years, then you will have this very fertile, rich soil. And so when I say a prayer, I don't ever dig up my seed. I remember when Jeff Levitan went to, he took me to Israel. And he said, Cap, I've seen you do three or four miracles on this trip. And I said to him, because Jeff, when I say my prayer, I'm done already. I don't ever dig up my seed. He said, man, that's the secret right there. You don't ever dig up your seed because people don't realize that their words are seeds. Everyone is a seed, but a worry seed creates worry. You can't plant an orange seed and expect an apple to come. And you can't plant Worry seeds in your spirit and expect your prayers to get answered. And so my GPS, right, which is my human spirit, which is also called the subconscious, which I've heard called the sacred gift. You can find it in Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus chided the apostles because they woke him up and they said, Lord, we're going to drown. You, you got to do something out here with this, this uh, Lake of Galilee out here. So he stood up and he said, peace, be still. And he chided them. And he said, how much longer are you going to be with me? Don't you remember I said, you speak to the mountain. Don't pray to God about your mountain. You're supposed to speak to the mountain. How long have you been watching me? Did I not speak to the crippled man and he got up and walked? Did I not speak to the blind man and he could see? Did I not speak to the fig tree 
and, and it, 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 it died from its roots. And so the Lord told us, whatsoever things you desire. Now let's stop on the fourth word. Whatsoever things you desire. First of all, whatsoever means anything. And desire. Do you have desire when you pray? I just talked to a man of God from a different state. And he realized that the reason that I had more faith in him, it's not that I'm better than him, he's a pastor. It's because he realized he doesn't pray with desire because he prays with hope. See, hope is futuristic, but faith is in the now. See, so Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive the answer as you say the words and you shall have it. That is so simple, it would take help from a religious person to mess up that scripture. But see, I'm a simple man. I keep things simple. But then here comes the big but. Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them as you say them, and you shall have them. But if you're holding a grudge against anybody, conscious or subconscious, then you will not get your prayer answered. And every day, I go through a whole regiment where I forgive every person that's ever hurt me. I know I've hurt a lot of people and I've asked for forgiveness, but I forgive everybody. The ones I remember and the ones I haven't, I've forgotten because I want my prayers answered. But then guess what? You're supposed to visualize your prayer being answered. Why? Because Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire, when you desire something, you already see it. When you desire a car, you see it in your mind. When you desire a house, you see it in your mind. So when I pray for someone with cancer, I close my eyes, I actually see things moving in that person. Why? Because I don't just say a prayer, I see it done, I feel it done. I take possession of my prayer because that's what I was taught to do. You know, Oprah Winfrey said this, that after 30 years of interviewing all these successful people, she found one thing in common with everybody. They were insecure. See, insecurity is a spirit that tries to enter our life when we're five, when we're 10, when we're 15. And insecurity always robs us of our confidence. Because if you think about it, confidence is all you got, right? Now, study some 12-year-olds you know. You can see their insecurity because they haven't learned how to camouflage them yet. Am I right? Right? They put their eye, they, you ask them what they want to be in life, and they look down at the floor. They're afraid to look you in the eye. They think they're ugly because they got pimples. Right? They're skinny. They got long legs. They got big feet. Their, their clothes don't fit properly. They're, they're just insecure. We know that with every 12-year-old. But now study 95% of 30-year-olds who look cool, act cool, look like they got it all together. But man, get them out of their comfort zone and they're just like that 12-year-old. See, you could have a surgeon making a half a million a year who's scared to death to meet strangers. So when he gets invited to come to a meeting, he always gets sick right before. He, He cancels right before, right? Because he needs a couple drinks before he can actually go to a party. I'm not downing the guy for it. I'm trying to tell you, you have no idea how many people suffer from insecurity. But the way 30-year-olds are cool is just start studying them. That's all. 
Start studying them. You're going to find out that they, they look cool, act cool, as long as they're in their comfort zone. But, man, you get them to say, get up there and say, talk for two minutes, you're going to see insecurity come all over their face. I'll never have, forget when I had this policeman who acted so cool. And I said, could you just talk for two minutes about what you like the most about our company and what you see for your future? And, man, he just fell apart like a, like a doggone second grader. And I'm not blaming the guy. I used to be like that. So I hope all these things helped you today, right? Because we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in these bodies. But I'm looking at my body right now, and you know what? That's not Greg Cap, right? Because the moment I pass away, uh, my spirit man's going to come right outside my body and my body's going to be laying there. And let's say it happened at a big event and everyone starts crying. Papa Cap died. But I'm going to immediately, I won't even feel any pain. I'll immediately come out of my body and my spirit man's going to look exactly like me. And I'm going to have my mind and my will and my emotions because that's what makes up my soul. Those are the three invisible components to a soul. So I am a spirit. That's why God only sees my spirit. That's why the Bible says you're perfect and holy and blameless in God's sight. How can the Bible say that? Because God doesn't see me in the flesh. He only sees me in the spirit. And he already sees me born again. And he already sees me going to heaven. But what he says to me through his word is, you, Gregory, got to work on your soul. You got to start controlling your thoughts. You got to learn to control your emotions and you've got to impose your will against every negative thought and every negative emotion. So do you see we are a spirit, we have a soul and we live in a body. And I'm going to close this off by telling you right now. When you learn to control your soul, because most born-again Christians are not controlling their soul, but the day you learn to control your soul, you will have heaven on earth. Because see, the devil can't find anything in me anymore. Because every time I repent and turn around, my God says to me, Gregory, you're perfect. What do you want to do right now? And right now the devil, he's going to have to leave. Because he knows that the spirit that dwells inside of me, God's Holy Spirit, is much greater than his spirit. Because if you read the scripture, the Bible says that Jesus, at the crucifixion, stripped the devil of all of his power. See, all he can do is whisper to people, but he can't do anything to you unless you permit him in your life by negative words, negative actions, right? But you know what? He's got nothing. He's got nothing on me because I've shut him off. And when I do catch him in my mind, I cast him out. When I do catch him fooling around with my emotions, I cast him out. So this is why it's a continuous course correction in life. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. I do worry. That's a sin, but I course correct off of it. And it says, turn around. That's all the Bible says. So when I, when I, when I got a small thought, when I worry, when I'm a little insecure, whatever it is, I just turn around. And the minute I do, the devil says, oh, no, here comes Cap again. He's filled with faith. And his faith is more powerful than my fear. Because remember what I tell you right now. The Bible says that the, at the end of the world, they're going to shine a light 
on the devil. And they're going to say, is that the worm that deceived the nations? Do you want to, at the end of your life, find out that you've been deceived from having all these glorious things that God has for you? But guess what? It's impossible to please God without faith. 